Hi, this is Shoesmith Serious Injury Podcast and we're on episode three. Uh, today we're going to be focusing on rogue surgeons. It's a, it's going to be a really interesting one and it's a topic that both myself and my co-host Kashmir Oppel have worked quite heavily within in the last few years. Um, we're very happy to be joined by our two guests, Sarah Jane Downing and Leslie Cuthbert. Kashmir, if you just give us an update and a, a, a welcome to Leslie and Sarah Jane. Yeah. Um, Sarah Jane and Leslie, we're really grateful for you joining us today and grateful that you're sharing your story yet again. Um, But it's really important to keep this uh, subject in the public arena, particularly whilst we're awaiting the implementation of the recommendations from the Bishop's report. So we just wanted to have a chat with you today, really, you know, so you can talk about your cases and what happened and also moving forward and what we would like to see happen. So, um, Leslie, can we start with you? And do you want to sort of give us some brief details about your journey in relation to um, the treatment that you had with Ian Patterson and perhaps through to the the trial as well, which you attended? Well, it all started with um, a very, very slight bleed. It was just the minutest drop of blood from one of my breasts, um, which my husband insisted I went to the doctor with. And she referred me under the NHS to Mr. Patterson. Um, I had a a mammogram and ultrasound. And um, he told me there and then, without any further tests, that I had got cancer in both, both breasts. And it was extremely urgent that I had an operation. It was so bad. Um, He wanted to remove the milk ducts from both breasts. Um, This, he then told me that uh, there was a three week waiting list on the NHS. And it, you know, which was unfortunate because it was extremely urgent. Um, so in actual fact, he coerced us into going private, which we did. And within days, he operated on me and he removed the milk ducts from both breasts. Um, Mr. Patterson was very polite. He was very convincing. His bedside manner was impeccable. And I had no fear of what was happening I believed everything that he told me Um, all this happened in 2006 I was under him uh, for three four years afterwards going back for you know um, updates um, uh, (laughs) sorry uh, what you call it um Surveillance and monitoring. Yeah, monitoring uh, what was happening. And um, then eventually he discharged me. And then in 2014, it was upsetting because I received a letter from Spire Parkway Hospital where the operation took place, um, recalling me. And then I was told that I had never had cancer And you can imagine uh, the distress. Um, First of all, to be told you've got cancer, um, which is, you know, distressing enough. Yeah, absolutely. Having to tell your family 
and then years later being told that you'd never had cancer in the first place. So that was my journey with Mr. Patterson. So Sarah Jane, can we turn to you now, please, and if you could share your journey? Yes, of course, absolutely. Um, Yeah, like Leslie, I had a letter out of the blue in July 2014 to say that the surgery that Ian Patterson had performed upon me had been entirely unnecessary. And um, as as she said, yes, it, it was also extremely devastating to find out that um, I'd been through all of this horrible, horrible process um, for absolutely nothing. And that um, there was never anything really that uh, that should have been operated on. Um, I had been um, under surveillance for um, really sort of breast lumps from well you know teens Mm. early 20s and um, it was something that that was just being looked at it wasn't anything that was regarded as being really sinister or terrible up until Mr Patterson joined the hospital in Solihull and um, I saw him I think once before he told me, oh gosh, you know, that the lump that you have this time isn't of the same sort as you've had before, that it's perfectly benign and normal. It's something very, very sinister. It's something very terrible. Mm. It's growing very rapidly. You have to have it out immediately. And just as he had said to Leslie, um, he also said to me, there's a tremendous waiting list uh, for the NHS. It's going to be at least six weeks and to be honest your lump is growing so rapidly it's going to deform your breast within a very short period of time you have to have this done now why don't you pay for the private operation get my parents to pay for it and um, I can have it sorted for you very very quickly and again uh, within days I was in Spire Parkway having this this terrible horrific thing removed and so you know, to find out years later, um, after I'd worked so hard to try to sort of put it behind me and to try to get over um, the the pain of it, the suffering of it and the scarring of it and all of the emotional trauma. To have that brought up out of the blue in 2014 was also a huge I mean, we could talk about Patterson for hours and hours, couldn't we? We've got a limited amount of time today. But just to sort of put all that together, um, what happened with Patterson is that he was then charged with criminal offences, 17 charges of wounding with intent and three of unlawful wounding. Um, And he was found guilty... um, by a majority verdict um, in um, April 2017, um, because basically um, he deceived you into agreeing to have these operations. um, And it was the deceit and the lies that he told you that um, resulted in you um, eventually agreeing to these operations. Now, we know that recently he has um, appealed his sentence uh, to the Court of Appeal on the basis that consent was given. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous that he's trying to argue that um, you consented to this. Um, and thankfully, those appeals were were thrown out uh, by the judges. I mean, do you, do you want to tell us how you feel about that process and how the appeal has brought everything back to you and how you feel about the outcome of the appeal? You know, personally, I'm, I'm really pleased it has been thrown out. I The number of people who have had mastectomies 
um, partial mastectomies, which have uh, then gone on uh, for, with full-blown cancer because of what he left behind. Um, people have died because of this. And to my mind, this he, he was knowingly doing this. He had been warned. He had been told to stop doing it, but he continued. And to my mind, this this uh, is manslaughter. Um, and uh, you know, I I'm so pleased that his appeal was overturned. Definitely. Yeah, Sarah Sarah Jane. Uh, yes. Well, I was I was so upset when um, when it was said that he was appealing because it was again this is also something of a bolt out of the blue. I mean, um, generally speaking, you would expect someone to appeal within the first few months of their sentence, not wait for four years and then suddenly bring it up. And so, it it's been it's been very upsetting to have this all brought forward again and it would be so nice to think that um yes you know they they've said that he can't appeal and this is it okay great but to be honest it's been so hard to have all of this brought up for me for many many people in the group as well we've just been so oh my god um i feel like i'm still rolling with that new punch i feel like it's another assault and so i don't feel the relief and the the joy of knowing that that has been thrown out yet i'm hoping to but at the moment i'm worried about what the judge's ruling is i'm worried about what this actually means for the idea of um questioning the issue of consent because yes i mean people did not everybody but um a lot of people did sign consent forms but we consented to what we were told um was the correct procedure people were people agreed to have a mastectomy believing it was the correct textbook procedure but in actual fact he gave them a csm procedure which was of his own invention which was never ever regarded as um appropriate and caused many many people to have reoccurrences of their cancer and many many unnecessary mm. deaths in my case he um had me to consent to an operation to remove a lump that was growing hugely rapidly but in actual fact he took out a section of healthy tissue uh, near in a different a different part of my breast so again i didn't consent to yeah. that i consented to what i was told was life-saving surgery so Absolutely. to bring up the issue of consent again is really very distressing i think and i think sharon can tell us a little bit more about the the judgment and it being reserved yeah, I mean, at the moment, we're waiting for the full judgment to come through. Um, we're, it'll be interesting, actually, for us to see the the actual reasoning that the appeal was rejected. We can assume that the judges, and it was an open court um, situation, felt that the trial judge in the criminal hearing had directed the jury correctly with respect to the issue of consent. Um, Ian Patterson's argument with respect to the appeal was that, he, that the trial judge hadn't um, informed and guided the jury correctly with respect to the issue of consent. So, I mean, it will remain to be seen what what that um, judgment says, but we'll be waiting and, and with a lot of interest. And just to go back to one of the points, I'm really grateful to you, Sarah Jane, for mentioning the CSMs and for our listeners who 
perhaps don't know that much about the Ian Patterson cases, the types of surgery he was performing um, on an unregulated basis were typically the types that Leslie and Sarah Jane was, were talking about in terms of um, surgery that was unnecessary. He was taking his patients who had come to him with concerns about cancer through the investigation process and then um, informing them that they either had cancer or had a high risk of cancer to the extent that they needed a, a lumpectomy, a, a part of their tissue removed. Another part of the, the, the treatment he was providing more typically on the NHS um, were CSMs. And that, that is a cleavage sparing mastectomy where he was performing a set of surgery where the tissue removed, um, which traditionally in a mastectomy would be all of the breast tissue removed to remove the risk of cancer recurring. He was only removing part of it. Um, it was almost, from our own researchers, that it's almost like a, a pilot project that he was running. Um, which he didn't have authority for. And even when and he, he was, was in fact told to yeah. stop performing <laughs> this operation as well. Um, and he carried on. Um, and, and what it did in layman's turn is it ex exposed his patients to an increased risk of cancer. And unfortunately, we've seen um, patients who have had that recurrence, um, patients who've realized that they had that recurrence too late. And it's it's unfortunately ended up in a fatality. Um, the, the, the ramifications of his actions are were massive and and what we've seen in our client base is is the true extent of devastation that it's caused and I can hear that from both of yourself um Leslie and Sarah Jane so, so it, it's really really yeah. we're really grateful that you've you've shared that with us because we know it can't be easy so in terms of what's happened in the past if we now look to the future what we want to see change what 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 next is is always a question that the media ask when they're when they're asking us these questions um Sarah Jane you have been working with the um Department of Health in terms of um the implementation of the recommendations and I know you've had a meeting recently would you like to tell us a little bit about that please Yes, of course, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, during the the whole period leading up to the trial, it was quite difficult. We we worked very very hard um, to try to raise the issues and raise the the case, and uh, it became very clear that there were an awful lot of people who had been victimised by Patterson who weren't involved in, uh, and their their stories were not reflected within the trial and so on and so forth. And so we managed to persuade the government to do an inquiry into the case. Um, myself and uh, Deborah Douglas and um, a, a selection of people went down to see Philip Dunn in London to sort of say, look, please, you've got to look into this case. Because what became very apparent to us um, was that it was being directed to sort of the idea that it was Ian Patterson was a bad apple and that was it. But in actual fact, there were an awful lot of people who were working in quartet with him. And uh, the idea of the inquiry was to actually look at that and to look at the systems which, which had allowed for all of these things to be concealed or um, ignored uh, and that sort of thing. So um, the bishop, um, the Bishop, uh, Bishop of Reverend Norwich, James, Bishop yeah, James of Norwich. Um, he led the inquiry, and uh, his report was uh, came out in the uh, February, February twenty twenty. That's it, last year, and. Um, 
it's been ever since then we have been working with the Department of Health to try to put the recommendations into reality and it's been quite a it's quite a process quite a journey obviously hampered a lot by the whole issue of Covid and that sort of thing but um, we have had recently a whole series of roundtable events with the department plus selected other agencies to really discuss okay well look how could we actually put these recommendations into reality what are the flaws in the system as they as it works at the moment how were things allowed to be sort of manipulated into the wrong direction and so we've done an awful lot of work to try to sort of pull out each of these threads and the beginning of the process I was a little bit concerned that maybe this was a PR exercise and we were sort of going through the motions but as things progressed and we got to know each other a little bit more and we could see that the agencies um, were really actually listening and taking on board well look this is a valid point this is my experience i know it's supposed to work like that but it actually works like this and so the, the lived experience we were able to reflect to them and um I, I think by the end of the process i was actually starting to feel heard and so i think that um it's hopeful to know that the the government are going to publish their report about the recommendations they hope before christmas and of course with the new variant there is concern yeah. as to when that's actually going to be published but watch this space can i just thing. ask leslie leslie as well please um because i think you gave evidence to the inquiry did you find that a therapeutic process yes yeah to get to get your story out there um, it, it, it was helpful uh, and to read about the, you know, everybody's experiences, um, it felt, you know, because at the time you feel alone, um, but then you read everyone's experiences and there were so many people that were worse off than me. And I, I know after reading it all, I called myself a lucky victim because I came out of that surgery with both my breasts and I heard people who had gone into surgery and they hadn't considered a mastectomy, but they came out of surgery minus their breast. So I, I've, after reading all that, I considered myself a very lucky victim. Well, I think as you are a victim, you know, you've been lied and, um, and, and yes, consent exactly. has been obtained from you. Um, yeah. without proper consideration yeah. of your underlying condition. And you've got the psychological trauma of everything that you're doing. But I take my hat off to to both you and Sarah Jane because you've taken a very negative experience and tried to make that positive in terms of the work and the steps that you're doing. Um, Sarah Jane, um, we haven't given you the credit for your support group, which has provided incredible support for the, the victims of of Mr. Patterson and all the hard work that you do. And Leslie, I know that you go along and support Sarah Jane at these meetings. And um, and I know that, Leslie, you find it um, a, a great comfort, uh, the meetings that Sarah Jane runs and the Macmillan mornings, uh, coffee mornings that Sarah Jane does. So we absolutely take our hats off to you for the, for the work that you do. Because we're limited, unfortunately, in this podcast, we wanted to move into the next um, section of it, which is talking about the future of rogue surgeons um, because unfortunately 
Mr. Patterson is not the only one. I think he's the most, um, for use of a better word, notorious um, because he's a, he's a criminal as well. Um, but Sharon, you've had some cases relating to maxophilofacial surgeon, haven't you? Do you want yeah, to tell us a bit um, about that? That was Roger Bainton. It's again in the Midlands and um, it's similar issues where you are seeing patients who are told one thing, tr- completely trusting the advice because who wouldn't if they're being told by uh, a surgeon, a consultant surgeon that um, that they need to go down a certain route with their treatment, accepting that and then finding out later via a recall process that, that it wasn't the correct uh, procedure to go through. And I think us as solicitors and, and just backtracking slightly back into Ian Patterson, um, when we're looking at these types of cases and they are, I wouldn't say it's becoming more common, but we are seeing more of them. And I don't know if that's actually thanks to the work that was done on Ian Patterson. Um, but we we found ourselves being involved in the civil litigation where we're obtaining compensation for clients. We're liaising with the General Medical Council. Um, Kashmir gave um, evidence to the public inquiry, which will obviously, um, sorry, the inquiry, not the public inquiry, um, which will obviously um, hopefully work towards changes being made. And now what we're looking at is the um, liability of, particularly in the private sector, but generally uh, the liability of surgeons and and what mechanisms there are to, to oversee that. Um, I know Kashmir has been working a lot um, on another Midlands-based case um, involving a surgeon, a spinal surgeon. Yeah, I've had quite a few cases relating to a neurosurgeon, uh, Mr. El Magrabi from uh, Coventry and Warwick, um, where he's been carrying out operations which were outside his area of expertise. I've had admissions of liability in some cases, and I'm liaising with the General Medical Council because the whole point of this is to protect patients, um, to take doctors who are harming patients, whether that be deliberately or due to a lack of experience or a lack of insight into the extent of their experience um, and and preventing them from harming patients. Because the work that we do, ultimately, it is about securing a better patient story and also patients having the confidence that they will be provided with um, competent care in the NHS, but also the private sector uh, because there is a, a, um, a great gap between the liability positions in terms of indemnity. And that's another subject for another day where we could talk about that f- forever. We definitely could. Um, well, I think that takes us to a close of this episode. Um, thanks once again to Leslie and Sarah Jane for sharing your very powerful stories and and, and also giving us a bit of hope and letting us know that you are doing something about it. And Sarah Jane, the, the work that you appear to be doing with the uh, Department of Health, uh, I really hope it makes an impact because uh, I think f- certainly from our perspective, we, we we do feel change is needed to protect patients um, and and we wish you well with that. And we'll, we'll be looking forward to, to seeing what happens. I think we can give Sarah and Leslie the, the last couple of minutes in the closing comments for this uh, podcast, please. Leslie, over to you. Um, well, I'd just like to thank you both for giving us the chance to air our feelings. Um, it does help to be able to talk to people about it, to share our experiences and for other people to know that there are people out there that are suffering just the same.
Yeah, Sarah Jane. Yes, I I agree with Leslie. You know, thank you so much. One of the things that was really very clear um, that I said to the bishop at the time of the inquiry was how. I started my um, my support group because I felt very much that there wasn't anybody out there, but that is except for the solicitors, because I would like to give a, a special thank you to you guys, because for the longest time in the prelude to the trial, we were very, very, um, very unclear as to what was going to happen. There was the issue of the the withdrawal of the um, the fund, and we were not sure whether we were ever going to actually get him into court or ever get compensation or what have you. And the solicitors have been so amazing to support us. And I think that maybe that's a part of your role that isn't acknowledged enough. So um, I. I'd like to thank you for that as well well it was our absolute privilege um to work on such an important case and and at the end of the day if we can make even the smallest difference it just makes our job so worthwhile so we're incredibly privileged to act on your behalf so thank you um thank you for your time this morning lovely to see you as always and we'll catch up with you real soon brilliant thank you so much take care bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.